when you stop being afraid and you just live today, you, you know, go out of your comfort zone and, you know, whatever happened will happen, that moment then you start doing an amazing things. Hi, my name is Baba and I'm excited to welcome you to the Bye Baba podcast, Out of Office, featuring unconventional career paths with influential stories. This podcast aims to rewrite the script in which careers are discussed and how success is defined. Hosted by our very own senior creative manager, Jennifer Pazzioni. With her international background in editorial and an unconventional career path herself, she asked the most thoughtful and interesting questions. Join us as we sit down to hear firsthand the journeys, lessons learned, and advice from creative forces who manifested their own way. Today, I am out of office with Asya Varetsa, former fashion editor of Elle Russia and co-founder of Sleeper, the sleepwear brand making it acceptable to wear homeware as streetwear. Since launch, her brand has swiftly attracted the likes of many, including Dakota Fanning and Busy Phillips, amongst others. Along with her co-founder, Asya has been listed on this year's Forbes 30 Under 30. Hi, Asya. Thank you for joining us today on Out of Office. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. That's my first podcast. And, you know, bear with me, please. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. We always start the podcast um, episode with the same question. And that is, what did you initially want to be when you grew up? Oh, my goodness. I want to be everything. (laughs) When I was really little, I would say like five years old. I want to be a singer, an actress, something on stage. When I was around my 14 years old, when you actually need to make a a life choice, not like a life choice, but figure out what you actually want to do and what you want to study at university, I was so fascinated by advertisement business. Did you have a favorite commercial growing up? I'm curious what sparked the interest. (laughs) You know, all of those commercials like Friskies, where you have the kitten and someone just holding it. And I remember commercials like Coca-Cola, where there is like this, you know, New Year commercials where you have the train coming and then all the family would sit down and celebrate. That was always something that made me cry out of the happiness. (laughs) And I felt like, well, maybe I can do something like that to the people, make them cry out of the happiness. <laughs> yeah. So, that so you was were my... really attracted to the emotion that advertising can evoke in people. I feel like, for example, Ogilvy, he sells not just the product, but the, how this product going to change your life or help you with something. And I wanted to learn how to do that. If you weren't doing what you are doing now, do you think you would be... In advertising or no, because of the lack of creativity? You know, after I quit my job at Elle magazine, working there for three years, and before I started Sleeper, I had that period of time during uh, six or eight months where I was unemployed and I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. I started to bake a lot because I feel like baking is something where you create something from zero. And when you see the result so quickly, it makes you really happy and satisfied. 
I was also studying uh, HTML, C++, and pixel art. <laughs> and so maybe I would do some, um, you know, IT stuff. Um, you know, I was all over the place and I always try to learn the new things. You're not the first person that I've met or know who had an opportunity and kind of came to a crossroads where they had to decide to continue school or to take a work experience opportunity. Yeah. Um, most of the people I know chose the work experience. Yeah. Do you ever look back at that moment and have regret? I'm really happy that I always had a choice. I never was pressured by follow the standard finishing the school, going to university and then getting, you know, the normal job. I was always that kid that gets uh, bored really easily. Studying at school was more about learning how to connect with people, how to get what you want, how to pass your exam, whatever the way you can pass that. And so, yeah, and uh, after studying nine years, I just <laughs> get really tired. And I just was so ready to go out into that world and, you know, start doing something with my life. We usually ask if you were taught through influences from family, friends, peers, teachers, if you were taught to follow a more conventional career path, mm -hmm. um, I think it's very rare when you are taught to kind of go outside the lines a little bit. Um, yeah. And it seems that your family supported you in various ways. You know, my mom always supported me with whatever I would do with my life. She... If she would called by the school, she would always by my side fighting the teachers. Uh, when I was little, uh, you know, at the first grade or second grade, during the class, I would stand up and start to sing. So I would often send to the principal's office. No, the, the psychologist's office. Oh, wow. <laughs> And my mom was like, she's just really energetic person and she's really social. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with her. And after they did some tests, uh, measure my IQ. I had like a really the biggest IQ in the school, in the whole school. So there was not, not a problem with me. Although, you know, the, the education still wants you to just sit down and do whatever right. they say. So my mom was really encouraging and supportive if I would come back home and I would get a bad grade. No one ever said anything to me. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's kind of built my personality and uh, ability to choose whatever I want and maybe be confident in myself. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, mom. Could you tell us a little bit, or a lot of it, about your brand, Sleeper, and how it came to be, where the initial idea came from? Sure, of course. So I was working those three amazing years uh, for uh, El, El Russia magazine as a fashion editor. But at some point after those three years, I realized this is not exactly what I want to do. You know, I just wanted to change something in my life. Uh, and I realized I learned everything what I could in that position. And I wanted to move to another city. Um, so from Moscow, Russia, I moved to Kiev, Ukraine. And the same day when I arrived, in Kiev, jump off the train, not knowing what I'm actually doing or what to expect or where I'm going to live or anything. There was a public 
protests on the street. Really sad events happening on the streets. People are fighting for their rights to choose, fighting against the government and against the corruption and everything like that. So I quickly realized that, you know, finding a job in fashion, that that's the last thing people would think about at those times. And all the job offers that I would get would basically unpaid. And even in, in me thinking about why do you even go and do those fashion magazines with the, those words on the cover, how to lose those 10 kilograms or something, it didn't make sense at all. It didn't kind of mirror to the reality that we are living. And so I was just like kind of lost. And so, yeah, as I said before, I spent six months laying down on a couch, spending a lot of time at home, figuring out what else is exciting, what else can I do. And at the same time, I become a good friend with Kate, um, the other co-founder of Sleeper. And so the Sleeper story began Christmas evening. We had a little gathering at my place with a small group of people. And we were watching one of my favorite movies, Curly Sue. Uh, I love this movie because it has such an American aesthetic of everything. And I actually haven't seen this movie. I feel like it was so popular back in Russia, but I guess it wasn't popular here for some reason. But it, this is kind of movie movies that I've been growing up, like uh, Halloween, Home Alone, Curly Sue, this whole kind of, you know... American dream movies, mm-hmm. and I love that so much. So yeah, watching this movie, there is one scene where the main actress, Kelly Lynch, she's wearing this beautiful striped robe. And, you know, during this scene, uh, me and Kate starting to have this conversation of how how amazing when you can wear something like that at home. And since at the same time, Kate was going through the same events in her life because she was previously editor-in-chief for different magazines in Ukraine. And she also faced the reality that it's not what she wants to do and there's just like no point of doing that. And so, so she was also in the situation where she was trying to figure out what to do next. So we started to talk about how nice when we put an effort of wearing something beautiful at home not only for the time when we're going out and I feel like since both me and Kate was spending a lot of time at home that time we were those kind of people we were wearing pajamas uh, outside but appropriate pajamas and yeah so that was a conversation the next morning um, she called me and she was like, you know, I had a dream today. And I'm like, all right, so. (laughs) And Kate was like, "Um, I had a dream. And in my dream, I was standing in the middle of the pajama factory and there was uh, pajamas flying all over me. And uh, I was like, okay, well, why are you saying, why are you telling me that? (laughs) And Kate was like, well, I think we should do that. And I was like, "Uh, never call me again, bye. So you were hesitant at first? I feel like I was super scared. My first emotion, reaction was I was afraid. Um, because, you know, when you starting something is is scary. It, it is really scary. And a few seconds after, my second reaction was more kind of logic. 
So I was starting to think about that idea and I went to my computer and I started Googling and researching the market. It was 2014 and I quickly realized that there's not so many brands who would do some kind of pajamas, but that can wear outside, basically, that look normal and beautiful. A lot of when you Google, it was just like, you know, uh, a funny pictures of onesies or um, those pajamas with the crazy prints with like, I don't know, Garfield and something. I was like, yeah, it is a market. You know, a few seconds after I really started imagining how this pajama should look like. And so, yeah, this is how it all started. And after that, it followed with six or eight months of figuring out how to do pajama because we had zero knowledge of how to manufacture or do anything. So after that phone call, I'm curious, when did you both begin to really take this serious and start brainstorming this process? Uh, Straight away, it was a slow process though, because there was no deadline or timeline. Kate would come over, we would open champagne (laughs) and we would discuss. It took us, I think, two months to even create uh, the name for the brand. That was one of the first steps that we took. The other first steps that we did is I created the spreadsheet where we were putting on all the steps, all the budgeting, kind of like shaping the company into the spreadsheet, basically. So that was fun. I started to build the website. I learned how to Photoshop and, you know, do the little things here and there. We were the first thing we ordered, I think it was boxes for the product. And then our friend helped us um, with the branding and the logo and everything like that. So, yeah, it was a really slow process. Like, I would say we would work two hours a day or even less sometimes. Uh, But, yeah, we were getting things done. We were doing a lot of samples because, you know, we would go to the small atelier and would get really ugly (laughs) pajama made uh, and then we needed to do improvements figure out how we're going to produce the collection and things like that so yeah it was a slow but interesting process of six months what is the design process like now it includes two people both me and kate it is essential for us that we do we design clothes together Kate is usually do the mood boards and she would do the proposal for the collection, for the styles, for the colors. Then after that, I would approve or disapprove or we talk about it, we can communicate. And then when we finally agree on the design, I would style that and I would kind of put it into the shape that's simple and understandable by the customer. And we have one kind of rule If we not 100% agree uh, in the design that we did, we're not going to release that product. It's really essential for us that both me and Kate are liking that, you know, uh, the clothes that we're making. After making the first samples, we would often, our team and us, we would wear that. You know, try it on, walk in, sleep in those clothes, you know, wash those clothes to kind of make sure it's not only look beautiful, but you actually feel comfortable in that. Do you ever find it difficult to both agree on a piece? Is there ever a time when you feel super strongly about a piece that Kate doesn't or vice versa? 
Or are you guys usually pretty aligned when it comes to that? We're pretty aligned in everything. I would be probably that person who would say no to things. Um, Kate has an amazing style. She's really free the way she design. Uh, I feel like she she has her own voice, the way she dress, and she express herself with you know different styles, different colors. And I am more like a minimalistic person, I would say. So we kind of really different. And um, but I feel like this is the when we this is the the the, the line where we met each other. This is where the product, the sleeper begin. You know, something simple yet funny, interesting, exciting, something comfortable yet you can you know do you know since comfortable but you can wear it for the party and look you know glorious awesome in that clothes i love that it really is like the compromise style between the two of you yeah and we are the best friends and i don't know i love kate so much and she is she's one of the important most important people in my life and i so grateful for doing business with her yeah, she she's amazing. <laughs> so when designing, what are you intending to translate through the pieces that you guys create? First of all, and the main kind of role is for us is the comfort of the person who's going to wear those clothes. And I feel like in general, clothes have such a big force. And, some you know, people sometimes underestimate that. Um for example, when you're wearing a power suit, you're gonna go to the meeting and kill it, or you're like feeling like you're wearing the armor. And uh, if you're wearing a linen dress, you might feel flirty or romantic. Because we understand that before creating something, we would often ask ourselves how we wanna feel in the clothes that we create and how we wanna feel in the space. Um, what mood we want to stimulate when we put on those clothes so when we design we need to answer those questions before we creating something and um, you know and then after that we'll find the tools that would help us to translate all those emotions into the clothes i've noticed with your pieces that people feel very joyful when they're wearing yeah. them but also the people around them too because there's this surprise reaction especially with certain styles in particular that other people who are interacting with the pieces are even feeling joy and having fun with it there's some kind of magic around sleeper and it has been with all this you know five years of making sleeper but one of the magic moments is that when i personally wear sleeper and the thing i often heard from the people who wear sleeper is that uh you wear a sleeper and you get so many compliments from the people, they actually notice the the clothes that you're wearing. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of feedbacks when, like, uh, one of the, you know, our customer would say that, you know, I wore your dress and I, you know, I got so many, comp- five compliments from the guys and it never happened with me before. <laughs> and I feel like it is kind of, those dresses makes you feel a little bit different. Um, yeah. Do you also feel that we're in a time right now where this is like the perfect moment for a brand like Sleeper to live because 
women have changed so much in the way that they're expressing themselves Mm -hmm. in society today, but that translates to how they're choosing to dress today. Do you feel like this is the right moment, that there's kind of a a synergy between sleeper existing now. When you wear a pajama outside, you don't really care about what people are going to think about you or how they're going to look at you, right? So you just, you don't care. You're not afraid. You are living your life. You have your own specific style and you don't care about the trends. You just, you know, you're walking around in your pajamas and you feel free. Yeah, so um, you already kind of have that attitude yeah. And then the clothes enhance it a little bit. Right. Can we talk a little bit about your production process? We started the company with only $2,000 of our own investments. We didn't have any, you know, other investments at all. So, which can I just flag that for a minute because I find that so honest and it's very admirable to put it out there that you started this brand with $2,000, I think so many people, when they want to start their own yeah. brand, ideally in a perfect world, you have investments, you have a lot of money saved, you're ready. And I think that's what prohibits a lot of people or stops them from mm-hmm. moving forward. Right. So what advice, as a side note, would you have for people? Well, uh, I honestly, I don't know if the way the the way we build the company with those two thousand dollars in the beginning is the best way because with that uh, we needed to not sacrifice I wouldn't say sacrifice uh, but we did live three years with no salary uh, all the profit all the you know all the money that we would get from the sales we put back into the business and that's something you need to you need to understand that it's not going to be fun uh, you gonna need to figure out the way to make a living and to make to pay the bill uh you are gonna have those moments where you know you need to find a way to pay the salary to the people that work for you uh and you're not gonna be the first priority um so my advice of for the people choose your own path you know it's it's also there's so many different elements into that because it all depends what kind of business are you doing where are you doing your business and what kind of situation are you in Uh, just do something just you know figure out your way Um, even though it's going to be hard way but you're going to get results in the end so you know (laughs) so yeah that's that's super inspiring thank you so much and it's very true that it's very um unique to each person Mm -hmm. i think you can get advice from others or you can read about others uh journeys of how they started things but it really is so unique um yeah it's like uh following someone's beauty routine you know they have a different skin (laughs) exactly (laughs) and so yeah figure out your own way because you're different and you're building a different company totally yeah back to your production process so yeah with uh, that being said starting with no investments we needed to adapt to this made-to-order concept so our second hire was our seems our first seamstress um so we would take an um receive an order and then put this order into the production 
Nowadays, uh, it's changed a little bit, but uh, we still kind of keep in this concept of um, artisan manufacturing and artisan production, which means we don't do mass production. And um, everything is made by one seamstress. Like we have, you know, more than one now, but it's made from scratch uh, uh, by one person. And in the end, we know exactly who made this or that dress. And uh, it's it's really amazing and it helps us to control the quality and to be able to create something that we're proud of. It's also, you know, we kind of want to continue with this kind of, with that way of manufacturing because there there are so many ways to make it in more affordable way even find a production somewhere else but it is important for us to do artisan production and manufacturing because it's kind of in uh, sleepers dna and um, i feel like that way we make sure that our seamstresses are feel connected to every garment to every item that they make and we want to remain what sleeper is and what sleeper is is the a beautiful atelier where we create beautiful home clothes by really beautiful and super talented people and can we talk about these people for a minute yes um i know i've read through previous interviews um you know what what you guys are doing as a brand to try to uh, offer jobs mm-hmm. to these people. Can yeah. you talk a bit more about what your initiative is and why? Right. So basically to answer that question, we need to go a little bit back to the USSR era. Uh, so at that time in Ukraine and Kiev in particular, we had a lot of numbers of factories and manufacturing it was all government founded a lot of professionals worked there a lot of them was paid by soviet union and got their homes and stuff so they were being supported by government and uh, after soviet union collapsed a lot of those production company manufacturers uh, got bankrupt and those incredible seamstresses they become unemployed and they needed to figure out the way how they can make money. So a lot of them become cleaners uh, or just, you know, working in those little grocery stores. Um, because working as a seamstress, would you wouldn't get paid at all, basically. And um, it was kind of sad because I feel like a, a profession of being seamstress is such an amazing and beautiful craft. And it was so not appreciated at all at that point but today the situation has changed a lot thanks to all the those amazing ukrainian designers like vita keen i don't know xenia schneider and other brands that helping to create this workspace uh for those amazing seamstress who had like 20 30 years of experience and for us our mission in particular would be to give those talented people the kind of life that they deserve, the space where they can feel safe, surround them with the, you know, beautiful environment, provide them with the good salaries and just like a a normal life as any other person have. I think that's really beautiful. And it's also, 
it's so refreshing to hear the transparency in in the people behind yeah. the garments. Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, every garment that we send to them, our customer has this note uh, that says who made this item. Our manufacturing basically in the same space where our office is located in Ukraine. So every Friday we would gather up all together uh, with all those beautiful, our beautiful seamstresses uh, for a glass of wine and we would show them pictures of our clients, of the stores that carrying sleeper. And I feel like it's really important so they can see where the final product end up being and it, it is really an amazing thing that you know from this town of Kiev th- this dress get traveled to America or you know anywhere else in the world it's a beautiful story <laughs> and I feel like they they really appreciate that and I'm sure it's very encouraging to yeah. see I want to talk a little bit about social media because yes. you guys have such a presence there yeah. Would you say that Instagram in particular has been an essential essential tool in building and maintaining your brand? Yes, it definitely was and it's it wasn't about the, you know, the pictures that we, that we would post. Um it's about what stays behind this picture. It's about telling the story um of your brand. And you know, when you're just starting and you don't have big budgets you don't have you know money to put the big ads on the fifth avenue or something uh, you have instagram and instagram is free and it's amazing because you can with instagram you can uh, communicate to the world the way you see the world the way you see the beauty uh, your dna of your brand or whatever you're creating you can have an open conversation with either your customers or just your followers and yeah you can build a big community and just you know be transparent basically to show them behind the seams as we call it and so it was really amazing i feel like we are really honest the way we create our content the way what pictures we posting we try not to you know create this leak picture uh we're trying to just show what's the product is we love our customers and we always, you know, posting the, their pictures because they're incredible and amazing people. <laughs> and yeah, kind of sometimes showing behind this behind the scenes how the product is being made. Um, so yeah, Instagram was an amazing tool for us and still is. And it is, you know, nowadays, as we all can see, the media has changed so much. So your Instagram is your own social media and so yeah you you can use that whatever way works for you it's such a nice tool for brands to build and strengthen their connectivity with yeah with their customers right it's really nice to grow a community in that sense yeah what would you say is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received I like this phrase that Steve Jobs said, stay hungry, but I kind of, the way I understand this phrase is kind of not to be afraid to lose everything, kind of, um, you know, building the sleeper uh, and, you know, for any other, you know, company owners, I feel like you 
have to face a lot of decisions and you have to say you have to let go you have to say goodbyes and it's not easy sometimes and you're so afraid to lose stuff so when you when you stop being afraid and you just leave today and you know thinking about you are thinking about the future of course but you kind of like you let go of the idea to be afraid you you know go out of your comfort zone and you know whatever happened will happen that moment then you start doing an amazing things i feel like there's so many people and i was that kind of person before sleeper uh that want to change something in their lives rather than work or career or boyfriends <laughs> and we often feel we are so we we're just so afraid of doing this step and when you just let go of everything and you're willing to lose everything the magical things can happen with you so i couldn't agree more yeah. i really think discomfort being uncomfortable mm-hmm. is where like the magic lies that's where right. everything can change and exciting yeah. things happen right it certainly was for me so our final question okay. you are out of office for the day what do you do well <laughs> i like my routine i love i love routine and um you know i usually start my saturdays with a good breakfast then i walk my dog I have really cute puppy it's not a puppy but it's a pomeranian so he's still going to be puppy even when he's super old um and then i like to do you know regular things like laundry doing grocery shopping organizing things and then i get really tired of that and i always find some adventures to do so yeah it's kind of i like routine but i also love to get out and get out from my comfort zone from my comfortable couch and you know go out for dinner with friends or travel to the state and island or go upstate you know things like that Thanks for joining my conversation with Asya. You can check out her brand at at daily underscore sleeper or visit their website at www.the-sleeper.com. Thanks again for tuning in to the Out of Office podcast. Hit subscribe to keep up with us and of course, rate or share with a friend. We'd like to open up to our hotline for a few career-related questions with Baba. For a chance to have your career questions answered in upcoming episodes, email us at hotline at bybaba.com. What is your best advice on how to expand your network authentically? By being authentic? (laughs) I know that's kind of like not the answer you want to hear, but I think sometimes when we think about networking we overthink it we think that networking is this magical thing that only happens at networking events you need to bring your business cards in order to network but the reality is the most authentic networking opportunities are not at networking events those are in everyday life maybe you meet someone at the coffee shop who happens to have a really interesting job that you can learn from what about having a small talk there or 
a colleague, even someone in your own office that you haven't even noticed before. I think it really starts with just opening up your eyes to what's already around you and then start having conversations with people authentically. What advice would you give to people that are trying to work within the tech industry? I think a great start if you want to get into the tech industry is to try to meet people who are in the tech industry, whether it's a friend of a friend or someone you found on LinkedIn. And ideally go after peers. I think sometimes when we're trying to network, we we only think of the very kind of like usual suspects or the names that are very obvious. But because they're so obvious, their inbox are more likely than not very flooded with a lot of requests. So when I have been trying to seek inspiration, I've always tried to look for people who will be as excited as I will be to meet them. So trying to find people where there will be a mutual exchange um, and then interview them, ask them, how did they get into the tech industry? Um, do they know if their company is hiring? Do they know of any other companies that are hiring? The cool thing with the tech industry is that they're always hiring because it's a growing industry. That's the point of tech is that all these companies are run, are fueled by growth. So just trying to meet a few people there and you'll you'll realize that they're all probably hiring. What advice would you give to people looking to work in a country outside of their own? I think it helps to visit that country a few times. Um, If I think of myself when I made my transition from Uber in Europe into the US, I actually funded a lot of kind of like work trips myself. Um, And it's kind of funny, this whole idea of like work trips. A lot of people um, would kind of like like ask me oh how I got to do all those work trips or there would be like a, a sense of jealousy that I was quote-unquote sent over for fun projects and the reality was I just created those opportunities for myself and, and sometimes just you know used reinvested my own salary into into it and what it gave was that I had an amazing perspective afterwards because I understood what it really meant to work at the company I was at in another country. And I also made really important relationships who I stayed in touch with and who were later able to help me better um, connect with the, the right person to make a move happen. Between starting a business with no business experience or getting a business degree first, which would you recommend? I think there is no real right or wrong answer here. I think both are great alternatives. I would say the benefit with starting a business with no experience uh, off the bat is that generally speaking, the younger you are, the less you have to lose. Um, I think it's sometimes harder to start businesses when we are adults and have greater responsibilities. So I think there is something to be said about being that young Mark Zuckerberg who probably had nothing to lose when he started it. Um, And I also think being naive is a huge asset when you're starting a business. That being said, having a business degree is always a great thing to be able to fall back on. If you decide that being, being a business owner is not for me and you have a business degree under your belt, you will be able to probably get a better job after that. What is more important to you, achieving a goal fast or enjoying the process? 
I think it depends what stage in your life you're in. Um, I think if you are starting a business with a lot of venture capital and a lot of eyes on you and you have a very clear, strict timeline of what you have to achieve within a certain time, then achieving the goal fast is probably going to be the biggest priority. That being said, if you're starting more of a lifestyle business or you're in a job and I think enjoying the process is really important and that would be my advice for the long run just because when we are having fun and we're taking care of ourselves we tend to do a better job in the long run. What would you say is the key to success? Success I think is an ever questioned term. It keeps getting redefined. I think for me, success has lately taken a shift into being more of a a feeling of contentment and, and happiness more so than money in the bank or statuses or awards or whatever that might be that maybe sometimes when we're younger, we think that's what equals success. Um, So with that, I would say the key to success is really to try to make sure you're having fun along the road, because if you're not having fun, you are going to work yourself to the ground and you're most likely not going to do your best work. Out of office is not just a conversation with our guests. It's also a conversation with you. Send us your career questions to hotline at buybaba.com and we'll answer them in our upcoming episodes. This podcast was produced by Tinka Media and music was brought to you by Blue Dot Sessions.